0: Hello everyone and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Glad you have joined us. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. Lots to talk about today. We will talk with the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Zippy Duvall will be joining us. We'll get his reaction to the apparent selection of Tom Vilsack to return as USDA Ag Secretary. And We'll talk about the discussions going on between ag groups and the incoming Biden administration about ag issues. We'll get his thoughts on that. Also, there's a new president for the Missouri Farm Bureau. Garrett Hawkins will join us. He comes back to Missouri Farm Bureau, this time to lead the organization. And we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. But we start with an update on how the rural health care system is handling this um, current surge in COVID cases. Joining us is Brock Slaybaugh, senior vice president, member services for the National Rural Health Association. Brock, thank you for being with us. We're hearing about uh, shortages of, of beds and ICUs and uh, this the surge that's taking place. What can you tell us about how the system is holding up?
2: So- well, good morning, Mike, and that's great to be on your show today, and I'm sorry about the news that I have to report, but uh, we are experiencing some significant outbreaks of COVID in rural communities nationwide. Uh, this uh, uh, These outbreaks are resulting in some states having positive testing rates of over 50%, uh, which is incredibly concerning as it relates to the number of individuals that will later need hospitalization and uh, intensive care, and so our intensive care units are where I think we're having the most concern right now, and uh, that's where they're filling up. We're seeing 85, 95% occupancies uh, in those units, uh, often just one or two beds away from um, overflow. Uh, this uh, This is really an alarming situation, and it's one that I think concerns all of us, especially as we look ahead to the Christmas holidays and another round of potential outbreak.
0: Are there certain parts of the Midwest harder hit, or is it pretty widespread?
2: It is widespread, Mike, but I think we're looking at uh, the highest incident rates uh, per one hundred thousand persons, or in uh, right now in places in South Dakota, Colorado, Kansas, uh, North Dakota has a couple of hot spots and uh, Iowa. So some of our farm country is definitely being uh, uh, impacted significantly here.
0: So what is the, uh, what's the plan as bed space runs out?
2: Well, I think that rural hospitals, uh, keep in mind, uh, 61% of rural hospitals nationwide do not have an intensive care unit. Uh, by definition, they're smaller facilities that are designed to take care of uh, most of the more common problems that we see uh, a patient presenting with. Um, in this case, though, many of the patients will spike uh, uh, with problems uh, pretty quickly related to decreasing O2 saturations, uh, decompensating fairly fast and need to be transferred. So our hospitals are doing the best they can. Uh, to hold on to those patients while they're finding a bed for them to be transferred to which presents the next problem um, is once a bed is found often um, I heard a case in uh, Colby, Kansas that had to be transferred uh, the nearest bed for placement was in the University of Kansas Hospital in in uh, Kansas City Uh, well from Colby to Kansas City that's a five-hour, four- or five-hour ride uh, by ambulance. And so you take that ambulance out of the county for that period of time, and it really presents some uh, uh, some situations that we really don't want to see. But right now, these surges are being able to be maintained. I will quickly add that the other factor in here that's just really troubling is uh, workforce and uh, the burnout that's being experienced by healthcare workers right now. Uh, working long shifts, uh, coming in on days off, uh, having to cover a lot of time and space with high need patients is really a difficult situation. So, so I want to send my thanks out to all those that are listening today that are working in hospitals and clinics uh, for their work uh, in, during this uh, stressful time.
0: We're talking with Brock Slaybaugh, Senior Vice President, Member Services for the National Rural Health Association. So Brock, we're hearing encouraging news on vaccines. What can you tell us about distribution? We're hearing about pods, points of distribution. How will uh, rural hospitals and the rural health care system be handling the distribution of vaccines?
2: oh we're we're really that's one of the sources of optimism that I've been personally experiencing uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, and I think that, uh, the FDA, uh, their committee advising them is meeting today. We should be getting approvals uh, on that uh, as expected uh, to, to, tomorrow, possibly, with the vaccine being distributed to states. Um, the vaccine will be distributed by population. Uh, so each state will get an allotment of the total available, uh, and it will be a, the, the share of the population in that state uh, the state of Kansas, for example, will be getting 23,750 doses approximately, um, and uh, those will be distributed to the priority groups uh, in 1A on the plan that was approved by CDC. Uh, that would be the health care workers, uh, those on the frontline line health care workers, and uh, those living in long-term care facilities. So those will be the priority groups to start with. Um, and we may be seeing some shots in the arms uh, by this weekend or early next week.
0: Now we're hearing about like Walgreens and, and, and those types of places where people may be able to get vaccinated. What will the actual role of hospitals be for this?
2: Oh, good question, Mike. So what what's uh, each state, and you can go on to the Centers for Disease Control and do state vaccine plans, and you could look up the actual planning for each state. Uh, They're all located centrally on that location, and you can see what your state's plan is for distribution of the vaccine. Uh, We're concerned that uh, perhaps uh, some of the planning that the states have done, at least in writing, have not really accounted for rural populations because as you know, uh, Walgreens and and other uh, big box uh, stores aren't located in some of our smaller towns. And so we are going to be depending on hospitals and clinics uh, to be uh, distribu- distribution points uh, for the vaccine. And so that coordination will need to definitely be uh, made with uh, those at the state health departments in terms of uh, getting those out there. Uh, HHS, uh, Health and Human Services, CDC, we've, we've had conversations with them um, I know Congress is in looking in this current COVID relief bill they're putting together. Uh, there is some supplemental appropriations to rural states uh, to overcome some of the, log- the uh, logistical challenges. So we're working on that right now.
0: A lot happening, a lot of moving parts. Brock will stay in touch. Thank you for the update.
2: Thank you, Mike.
0: Brock Slaybaugh, senior vice president, member services for the National Rural Health Association. Up next, we'll talk with the President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall, joins us right here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected, and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today. Recently
0: on Adams on Agriculture, Michael Langemeyer, Purdue Ag Economist. Michael, the roller coaster ride of 2020 continues.
4: The, the October index was 183, and uh, the November index is down from that to a level of 167. So what's more interesting is, is looking at the uh, two sub-indices, the index of current conditions and index of future expectations, they moved in opposite directions. The index of current conditions continued to increase and reached an all-time high uh, for the survey at 187. That's about a 10-point increase uh, from October in pet positive news on the trade front. Uh, prices have strengthened, particularly corn and soybeans. We have relatively high government payments in 2020, and so you combine all of those things, and people are pretty optimistic uh, looking at
5: the next 12 months. However, if you look at the index of future expectations, it uh, decreased from 186 in October to 156 in November, and so people are, are becoming more optimistic
0: short-term, uh, but, but relatively less optimistic long-term. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture
6: a cold front can slow the world to a crawl but with cenex premium diesel your fleet can power through Senex roadmaster xl seasonally enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel so rather than complaining about the cold own it with cenex premium diesel cenex premium diesel diesel that doesn't mess around
7: Do you know how to keep food safe at home?
3: Clean, separate, cook, and
7: chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge, so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe.
8: Clean, separate, cook,
7: and chill. For more information, visit befoodsafe.gov or call 1-888-MP Hotline.
0: Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's
1: farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
0: We're joined now by the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall. Zippy, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you.
9: Merry Christmas to you. Thank you.
0: Let's talk about some of the things happening. Uh, The apparent choice of Tom Vilsack to return to USDA in an Biden administration. Your thoughts on that choice?
9: Well, I think that's a great choice. Uh, Secretary Vilsack spent eight years there and you know, he comes there with great credentials. I mean, as being governor, great state of Iowa, big agricultural uh, state. And then, of course, since, since he came out of USDA, he spent some time with U.S. Dairy Export Council, and he stayed involved uh, in, in the agriculture area. So uh, Tom Vilsack's a friend of mine. Uh, we, we have a good relationship. I'm really excited and looking forward to working with him again to move agriculture forward.
0: I know you and other ag groups have been talking with members of the Biden team about ag policy, ag issues. What have you been stressing to them and what are you hearing from them?
9: Well, uh, we, we've had the opportunity to visit Mr. Bilsack twice during the campaign, and then we've also uh, just recently uh, uh, talked to Mr. Uh, Robert Bonney, who's leading the transition team in the USDA. Uh, actually, uh, Mr. Bonney and I had a conversation on the phone he reached out to me one saturday about three weeks ago and i made the invitation to him to to uh to present to the uh uh, the ag ceo meeting and we had the opportunity to kind of lay some groundwork uh for uh uh, for our initial work with usda when leadership gets in there we basically talked about some of those issues that we thought would be on their plate when they got there
0: we keep hearing about climate change. You think that's going to be a focus and emphasis by this administration and by this USDA?
9: We, we think that we knew that uh, climate change uh, policy was going to be a topic, uh, regardless of how the uh, uh, election turned out. Uh, we knew that, that that topic was going to be discussed on Capitol Hill. So we have, as an organization, uh, been involved. For the last year, talking, um, creating coalitions to try to move forward in that area. One one uh, area, one coalition is uh, Farmers for Sustainable Future, uh, which is made up of all ag groups so that'll be watching policies that's being made and make sure that we can bring uh, take a seat for the farmer and rancher to make sure that they we're represented there. The other is uh, uh, the uh, uh, food and uh, food and ag climate coalition. Uh, and in that group, there are like-thinking agricultural groups and some groups that are not so like-thinking. And we have worked real hard over the last eight months uh, discovering several principles that we could agree on and work together on. And most of that is around voluntary market-based projects or policies and all of that to be done through uh, science, uh, sound science. So... Uh, Uh, and working with our rural communities to be able to accept climate change policy in the future. So, you know, in in those areas, we feel like that we can work together to try to form some uh, uh, legislation that will help uh, our farmers uh, uh, continue to move forward and make sure that these policies are good for agriculture and our farms rather than to the detriment of it. Because we as farmers all want to do the right thing for our climate and our natural resources, and, and we're all looking for that opportunity to find voluntary uh, projects that we can be involved in.
0: Well, you use the key word there, voluntary. Uh, sometimes from the federal government, they seem to favor more of a mandated approach. Are you concerned about that, being able to keep this on a voluntary level?
9: I, uh, we, that is the one thing that we're really, really watching closely. We think that we've proven over and over and over in our history that if you present a program to farmers and ranchers that are incentive-based and voluntary, our farmers will take that initiative and and and, and uh, embrace it and move forward and accomplish what the real goal is. Uh, and versus uh, mandatory by the heavy hand of the federal government, uh, we've seen that fail over and over and over again. So we'll use those examples to talk about how important it is for it to be voluntary. And our farmers have been always been there to do the right thing, and we'll continue to do that. But voluntary is going to be the key uh, approach for us. And if it gets away from voluntary, it will be very difficult for us to remain part of that.
0: Tom, Vilsack has been very active in this area even when he was secretary before these these were areas of emphasis for him uh do you feel he's the one to kind of broker this uh, can be a good middle ground to bring both sides together on this issue
9: i really think he is because uh you know we have been discussing with uh tom or mr Bill Sack, uh, uh as his time was at the u.s dairy export council about the dairy industry becoming. uh neutral um uh, and 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 as we talk to him about that i hear him explain that and i think he's a one of the perfect people to lead that conversation and find common ground and help us to find those voluntary um uh, uh, projects that our farmers can put on the ground and a lot of the in a lot of these areas too it's going to take a lot of private public uh Uh, partnerships to make this happen because a lot of the next projects are going to be very expensive and we all know what a difficult time our farmers are going through.
0: So it needs to be
9: voluntary and it's going
0: to have to take some public and private money to get it done. Zippy, there's also going to be quite a few changes in key ag positions in Congress. Uh, We see right now the ongoing effort to try to get another a COVID relief bill passed and the struggles they're having there. What do you see moving forward, a new administration and new members of Congress in getting past the stalemate and getting more done legislatively this coming year? Well,
9: uh, fortunately, uh, normal, you know, in, in agriculture is the place that Congress can find common ground and come together. So, you know, in the issues that we deal with at American Farm Bureau around agriculture, uh, we we have a lot of good people there that that reach across the aisle and try to find common ground and work together. You know, Congressman David Scott's going to lead the uh, the, the House Ag, Agriculture Committee. He's a friend of mine. He comes from Georgia. Uh, he has a good knowledge of agriculture there in Georgia. He's he he. Uh, I think he'll do an excellent job of trying to reach across the aisle and find common ground to do what's right for a rural American and and do what's right for agriculture so i look forward to working with uh, congressman scott on that i think he'll do a good job and of course uh uh, gt thompson is a good friend of mine come from pennsylvania got a great background in agriculture so i think we've got a strong team there not not that we haven't had in the past we have and we never should look over the the job that mr peterson and mr uh conaway did in the past because they both represented us well and worked very good together
0: before we we'll let you go, or how are plans going for your virtual convention coming up next month? Oh,
9: uh, we're real excited. You know, I uh, identify this as one of the silver linings of this pandemic in the tw- uh, 2020 year. Uh, it gives us the opportunity to open our convention up to all of our members, not just the ones that are voting delegates or have the time to to go to the convention. So every one of our members can. Uh, register, and we're also inviting the world to look inside. Uh, We're not charging a registration fee, so if you're somewhere in the world or you're a consumer or or another ag group and you want to look inside this great organization we call the Farm Bureau Family, we are welcoming them them in from the the comforts of their home. We're going to have some great speakers, uh, and, and we're also going to show off some of the talent that works for American Farm Bureau in some of the breakout sessions. So we hope that people will listen, be informed, and inspired uh, to either become a member of Farm Bureau or be more active in Farm Bureau.
0: All right, Zippy, good to talk with you. And again, uh, happy holidays, and we'll look forward to talking with you and working with you in the coming year.
9: I look forward to that. Thank you so much, uh, and I hope all your listeners out there have a, a, a great Merry Christmas
0: and, and a safe one, too. Take care. Thank you, Zippy. Zippy Duvall, President of the American Farm Bureau Federation. A number of state farm bureaus either have just completed or are in the process of having their state conventions right now. Pretty much all of them, I guess, virtual. Uh, But there's some changes in leadership at some of them as well, including in the state of Missouri. We talked recently with Blake Hurst, who who retired as President of Missouri Farm Bureau. They've now had the election, and delegates... The Missouri Farm Bureau have chosen Garrett Hawkins to be their new president. He formerly worked with Missouri Farm Bureau, most recently been with the Missouri Department of Agriculture. Now he comes back to lead Missouri Farm Bureau. We'll talk with him about that and his thoughts and his goals moving forward. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
3: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected, and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today.
10: You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Raw with a market check here on this Thursday's trading session. Rumored interest in buying from China on Wednesday drove a surge yesterday, and market participants will be anxious to see confirmation later Thursday morning. In the soy complex, it has been over a month since USDA announced a daily export sales announcement, something bears have noted. The buying the last two days may be connected to the resumption of exports. On the Board of Trade, March corn trading two and three quarters of a cent higher at 426 and a half cent. The May contract up two and a fraction at 428 and three quarters. March soybeans up 12 and three quarters at 1176 and a quarter. The November contract up five and a fraction at 1053 and a quarter. Chicago wheat March trading 11 and three quarters of a cent higher at 595. Kansas City Wheat March up 11 at 562 and a quarter of a cent. Minneapolis Spring Wheat March up 6 at 561 and a quarter. The May contract up 4 and 3 quarters at 568 and a quarter. Cash cattle trade appears to be trickling into the market a bit each day with prices continuing to erode lower based on tumbling box beef values. So far, future prices have stabilized, but market resolve is being tested. On the Board of Trade, December Live cattle trading 80 cents higher at 108.17. The February contract up $1.45 at 112 42. Feeder cattle March up $1.70 at 140 50. The April contract up $1.40 at $141.87. May lean hogs trading 42 cents lower at $74.57. The April contract down $57 at $69.17. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 42 points. The NASDAQ composite up 38. The SP 500 up 1. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be
2: ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute.
8: Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. It's AARP.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ed
0: Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: New president for the Missouri Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins, joins us now. Garrett, congratulations. Good to talk with you again. And uh, I know you have to be excited about, the, about this new opportunity.
4: Well, Mike, one, it's good to, to visit with you, my friend. Uh, we've worked so hard so much. And so often through the years, I'm thrilled to visit with you. And, and yes, I can sum up by saying it's been a whirlwind and quite a roller coaster of emotions.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and really like going home because you have spent a, a, quite a bit of time working with Missouri Farm Bureau over the years. I have. And as,
4: as I've been meeting with our, our employees over the last few days, I've said over and over again, I do feel like I'm home. Um, this This journey that my family and I embarked on a few months ago, it just felt right having these conversations with our county members across the state. And uh, I'm extremely uh, grateful that they would, that they would give me this responsibility uh, to help carry the organization forward on their behalf.
0: You worked for Missouri Farm Bureau for a number of years in in, in policy issues, legislative issues, both in-state and on a national level. Uh, I would think that would certainly help with this transition now to the leadership position that you're in, uh, because those are the issues you're going to be working on. <laughs>
4: that, that's right, Mike. Um, you know... I guess our members know that I'm grassroots at heart because I've worked with them for so many years to to carry their voice um, both to the state and national capitals and and I understand the policy development process and respect it because I, I helped work within that through the years and so you know I've said many times I can flip through our policy book and and more often than not I can look at a policy and recall what county it came from or what members spoke on the delegate floor because I've always believed to to be a strong advocate for Farm Bureau policy, you need to know the story behind it and and know how it impacts members. And obviously, you know, wearing my farmer hat as well and being able to to tell that story. So it's um, I'll put those skills to work, uh, but always keeping in mind who I'm there to represent.
0: Garrett Hawkins, new president of Missouri Farm Bureau, should point out the last few years you've been working at the Missouri Department of Agriculture. I know you've enjoyed working with Director Chin and uh, uh, that opportunity. Uh, you'll, You'll be saying goodbye to some good friends there, but you'll be working with them still in just a different capacity.
4: You bet. You bet. And, you know, Stepping away from Farm Bureau, we had already started the transition back to the family farm, Mike, uh, several years ago to start growing our cattle operation, and uh, that's where we wanted to raise our kids, and, and so doing that and then serving at the department as deputy director really gave me a different perspective, uh, stepping outside of Farm Bureau and obviously working closely with Farm Bureau, but having the chance to be on the outside and see the organization and see its effectiveness, um, gave me a different perspective, but it also helped, uh, helped prepare me in a lot of ways of managing a workforce across the state, uh, giving the experience of of diving into the rulemaking process from that standpoint and and making decisions, listening to constituents. So I'm really grateful for that experience. Um, Again, it's just my career has been spent in in service and trying to help those and all of us in production agriculture. And I just, (laughs) sometimes I have to pinch myself to, to, to just see, <laughs> just yeah. to see where we're at today.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, grassroots, and certainly that's how the Farm Bureau system works. And um, did the delegates have any major policy changes uh, at your uh, recent meeting? Uh, as far as kind of your mar- your marching orders moving forward for this coming year?
4: Well, I'm glad you asked that, Mike, because. You know, this has been such a a different, weird year, right? And so the delegates um, considered essentially a hybrid process when we did our virtual annual meeting over the weekend. And so uh, the state resolutions committee and the state board advanced a a group of about eight resolutions spanning state and federal policy that uh, were asked – or pose to the voting delegates to to expedite um, to get those approved so that we can carry those to American Farm Bureau or start working with state legislators, and you're gonna, you're not going to be surprised that several of those issues deal with market structure issues in the livestock sector, uh, particularly with some legislative proposals that are, that were introduced in, in the current Congress and that will be reintroduced next session. Also about meat processing and looking at um, enhanced flexibility as you look at um, out-of-state sales of state-inspected meat. So there were several issues that clearly came through the process that came through because of what our farmers and ranchers have experienced this past year.
0: We just talked with AFBF President Zippy Duvall, and looking on the national level, it's pretty obvious that climate change issues are going to be a big focus here the next few years uh, in a Biden administration and with Tom Bilsack at USDA. So that. That will be an area as we watch and see how this develops, how policy develops, how this will play with agriculture. And Zippy talked about the importance of the voluntary approach. That's what farmers will be watching for closely.
4: Uh, He is exactly right. And, you know, I'm no stranger to this issue. I mean, we, (laughs) I mean, it's funny, Mike, issues never seem to really go away. Sometimes they bubble to the surface and they may ebb a little bit and, and sometimes they're repackaged. So here we go again. Uh, Clearly, uh, President Duvall is spot on in terms of voluntary. I mean, I can tell you our members are already talking about and anticipating what we may be facing from a regulatory standpoint. Um, You know, again, we're, we're fully prepared to engage in those discussions, knowing that some of these may be retread type proposals. Right. So so. That's certainly going to, to impact our agenda. I'm excited to, to be a part of the AFBF policy process from this seat now and participate in the resolutions committee next week and engage in these discussions. Um, it, it's certainly going to be an interesting time.
0: Some. Ch- Key changes in in leadership within Congress, within even the ag committees. Uh, I've spent a lot of time walking the halls of Congress with you and and going into those (laughs) offices. And I I know you're well-respected there, well-connected there, but there will be some new faces in some key spots. There will be.
4: Um, So, you know, I've been trying to keep up with Ag Media to see uh, leadership changes, particularly within ag committees. But, you know, the last few days I've been doing one-on-one Zoom meetings or or teleconferences with members of our delegation to just get reacquainted and talk about what's on their plates and, and recap what I've been hearing in the countryside the last few months and, and again, our hybrid policy development process and also let them know I'm working with the members to, to finish the policy book, so to speak, for 2021. So, you know, it's great to, to, to be um, working with, I mean, you know, we have a tremendous congressional delegation that, that does a great job representing ag in rural Missouri. So I'm excited to engage with them and, and know that we've got some tough issues ahead and that's fine. I mean, that's nothing new to agriculture. Um, we just have to make sure that the grassroots stay engaged and stay motivated, and and we'll still uh, we'll still accomplish a lot.
0: And what do you see, Garrett, as your big state issues that you'll be working on? Well,
4: we're we're still <laughs> we're still going through uh, those issues. It always seems like Mike that there's always a, a property rights element, uh, typically mm. uh, discussion in the state capitol. Uh, so I'm actually meeting with our. Staff today to talk through um, options, what we've been hearing, new policies, and try to start sorting out what our priorities are going to be. I'm starting to also visit with some of the uh, leaders in the Capitol as well. Um, had a meeting with Missouri Electric Co-ops yesterday uh, with their CEO that's been around for two years. Um, clearly, broadband has been a priority for us at the state and federal level. We want to continue to work with partners um, and legislators, Governor Parson. We all are are wanting to move the needle further and faster on broadband uh we see federal dollars coming into the state so so i truly expect broadband will continue to be one of our priorities at the state level and um and i don't know we're just gonna we're just gonna keep working hard mike
0: well i know you'll do that you always have and uh uh well i think of a lot of the a lot of the times we've had together and the things that uh, you've worked <laughs> on i've seen you work uh, in front of the in front as well as behind the scenes and i know that you get things done and uh, you have a lot of experience in these areas that uh, you'll be able to call upon and hey you'll be able to find your way around the building pretty well i think don't you
2: <laughs> i can
4: um, <laughs> um they've been worried about me because i do like to wander around the building and visit with employees <laughs> and hear what's on their minds. so uh they know they have to send a search party out for me every once in a while to see where i'm at yeah. uh but truly it's uh it is a joy. Employees and members alike know I am full of energy. I've had several members say that they don't know if they can keep up with my energy level, but, uh, <laughs> uh I mean, you know, you know, it's truly genuine because I love this organization. I was raised in this organization and came up through youth programs and, uh, I feel strongly that you know I've been a member. I'm a farmer myself, and uh, I'm just I'm really excited to work with the membership and take this organization to to a whole new level. And I've had great mentors in Blake Hurst and Charlie Cruz to learn from through the years. And uh, I know they're only um, as long as they don't block my number. I know I can keep them on speed <laughs> dial. <laughs>
0: Yeah, those are great mentors and great resources to have. And I I can attest that you are hard to keep up with. That's for sure. Garrett, (laughs) congratulations again. Really wish you the very best. Look forward to working with you here in your new capacity as president of Missouri Farm Bureau. Great, great uh, news. And I wish you all the best.
4: Thank you, Mike. Let's stay in touch.
0: All right. Take care. Garrett Hawkins, new president of Missouri Farm Bureau. Bureau. All right. Up next, we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. That's next here on AOA. Stay with us. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her.
4: It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom,
7: I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more.
4: is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council.
6: A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Senex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
0: I'm Mike Adams, and this is Best in Class, brought to you by Bayer DeLauro Complete Fungicide. We're talking with Randy Myers, Agronomic Solutions Manager for Bayer. Randy, thanks for joining us. Give us some examples. What are the advantages of DeLauro Complete? I often get the question and say, well, if I spray DeLauro Complete instead of
8: DeLauro, how much more yield increase am I going to get? The thing is, you will not always see a yield advantage because DeLauro is already a very good, solid fungicide. Going to DeLauro Complete, what we do is bring additional activity so if you have really high disease pressure and some specific diseases I can mention are gray leaf spots in corn or white mold in soybeans those diseases the extractive ingredient brings specifically higher activity on those as well so now what we bring is added consistency under the high disease pressure so you won't always see yield advantage spraying Delaro complete ahead of Delaro uh, instead of Delaro
0: but when you really need the extra performance it's there what you're saying here you take delaro and then you add to it delaro complete and you you're really you've got more tools in the toolbox now
8: yeah and that's become more important the products that were working just fine back in say 2007 they don't cut it anymore so we have to continually up our game to be able to bring consistency against all the important pathogens as that spectrum starts to change and it does change now we've got gray leaf spot heavier pressure in some place than we've ever had before. Northern corn leaf bite can be problematic. And now add add to that tar spot, which is now spreading across the Midwest, we need to have parts which can have a higher level of performance against these pathogens to be able to protect the yield potential of your crop. And where can farmers get more information on Delaro Complete? From their local retailer or the local bear rep or you can go to bearcropscience.us.com, and there you can get lots
0: of information. This has been Best in Class, brought to you by Bear DeLauro Complete Fungicide. I'm Mike Adams.
1: Adams on agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture.
0: Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to
0: mike adams let's talk markets with matt bennett with agmarket.net and matt as we wait for new WASD numbers uh where are we here at the end of the year you think uh, kind of going to be relatively calm or choppy or what are, you, what are you expecting from the markets here through the winter
5: yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I, I think whenever you see the way the markets reacted here uh, this week, after kind of a rough week last week, quite frankly, especially given the fact we just continued to rally and rally and rally. I mean, the bean market over a three-week period was up, uh, you know, about a buck thirty. I mean, it was just an incredible rally we saw. Uh, backed off a little bit later last week, started out this week kind of on a blasé tone, Uh, But then we've had buying come in. Now, we've got a report out here at 11. And typically, the December report isn't one that's going to provide a ton of direction. uh, But this year, I don't think anything would surprise me. I don't think we'll get anything on production like usual. But uh, as far as demand goes, could they make some adjustments on exports? Could we tighten up these carryout levels? Yeah, I think we probably could. I don't think it's going to be to any great degree. But uh, today might provide a little bit of a a, a help us get what our tone is going to be towards the end of the year. Uh, But my thought process is that we're going to stay fairly, um, you know, consistent throughout the end of the year. Nothing incredibly volatile.
0: Do you think the big China shopping spree is pretty well over for now? Well,
5: I mean, so much of it, that's a loaded question. So much of that is dependent upon what's going to happen in South America. You know, what's their crop going to end up like? Are they going to go into that Safrina crop of dryness? You know, I mean, it's already going to go into the ground a little bit late. Uh, if they go in and they, and they can't get, you know, a good stand right off the bat and get that crop off to a really good start, I think that as far as corn's concerned, especially, you know, with this dollar continuing to struggle, you know, we saw the uh, the best close on dollar versus real. Uh, in several months here uh yesterday and uh, again this morning you see the dollar getting beat up again we're down you know 0.24 uh you know and we're we're under 91 once again i think this dollar if you go if you go down there and you test You know, that 88 level, uh, I think if you get below that, boy, there's a lot of free area there. And uh, I've got to think that our exports, even with South American supplies available, could still be quite competitive. And I think you might find that uh, uh, these corn exports are still a fair amount too low, I, I guess, from our vantage point. Then how aggressive do you think farmers should be
0: about selling next year's crop?
5: that's a great question i would say this you know it's easy for us to look at corn and beans and see you know uh, the inverse in the market you know and you think well geez you know these cash markets are so hot why would i want to sell uh, you know at 412 and 1052 uh, well you know why would you want to do that you got to compare those prices to what we've received the last five or six years uh, put those prices versus your actual costs, which are pretty much quantified at this point. Uh, you, you you really know, for the most part, what you're going to put into the 21 crop. And if you know that you can lock in some profit margins, it makes sense to go ahead and do so. Now, if I was going to get aggressive at all, though, Mike, I think I would be uh, – very cognizant of the fact that we're awfully dry out west. I think there could be a pretty good acreage battle in here. So I want to leave myself some flexibility. I don't want to lock myself into a large percentage without any room for upside, you know, from a risk management standpoint, because uh, that could be a pretty tough seat to fit in next year if we end up in a drought situation. But if South
0: America looks like they're, they're going to have a good, and especially if they look like they're going to have a better than good crop, uh, we could see quite a hit on the markets, couldn't we? Yeah,
5: absolutely. I think you could, and that's part of the reason why we're already you know twenty to twenty five percent sold. You know, but we're also going to keep some uh, uh you know some short dated calls uh, out there just in case you know we want to get out past the. Uh, I'm going to go with like a May. Uh, basically I want to get out past the acreage report see what kind of a battle we have for acres. Cause I think, you know, what you could see if South America has uh, weather issues is that you could see these markets continue to march higher. I, I guess I'm not uh, totally in the camp that uh, we've made our highs yet. So um, I agree with you. And that's part of the reason why we need to manage our risk. That's part of the reason why we don't want all of our eggs in one basket. I really like uh, being able to either sell some and, and own some calls or, Simply put a floor into the market. You know, there's tools out there. You can put a floor into the market, leave some upside room if you want to, uh, you know, and give yourself a fair amount of flexibility to participate if the market goes on up.
0: Yeah, so South American weather and crop yet to be determined, whether that's bearish or bullish. But One thing we know going into next year that's different from how we came into this year, uh, the stocks level is completely different.
5: No, it's it's incredibly different. I mean, just in a matter of three months, you dropped corn carry from 2.7 billion uh, down to 1.7 billion. You know, just back in January, USDA was talking a billion bushels of uh, soybean carry out for this marketing year. You know, and now we're talking about a, a 190 or below. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I'm below 190. I I think uh, these exports, even though we haven't had a whole lot lately to brag about. I still feel like these exports are probably going to have to uh, get ticked up just a little bit, whether it's now or in January. Uh, I think that that's going to happen, which is going to tighten that carry out even further. So, uh, you know, these are different numbers we're playing with. Uh, but with that being said, we still have to manage our risk. Uh, the The higher the prices go, the more risk as producers we have sitting out there on the table. Uh, and, and we don't want to lose sight of that. So uh, being able to manage some of that makes a heck of a lot of sense to me.
0: And do you think acres next year here in the U.S. you you seeing it get pretty close a, a split on corn and soybeans?
5: I gotta think so. You know, I think with some of the price levels we're looking at, uh, beans are certainly trying to stake their case that they want to have a, a, you know some bean acres, uh, maybe uh, even get up closer to 90 million. Now, meanwhile, you look over to wheat, you know, and uh, July wheat still pretty close to six bucks. I don't think wheat's going away anytime soon. And, of course, corn at 412, you know, that could, that'd be the best insurance price we've had in some time. So, you know, what are we going to end up with? I think a 90 and 90 right now is probably my over-under. It wouldn't surprise me one bit to see both of those creep a little over 90. But uh, uh, bottom line is where there's profit to be made, that's when acres grow. And I think that's something you are going to see happen here this next year.
0: Great, Matt. Good to talk with you. And I know you're enjoying that uh, Illini basketball
5: Oh, absolutely. That was a great win the other night. Let's hope we can keep it rolling.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Good to talk with you, Matt. Take care. Sounds
5: yeah, good.
0: Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll tune in again tomorrow to AOA. Stay safe, everyone. Synex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.
3: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today.